You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, and Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. We're 2-0 and and 8 to go. Uh, I assume you got the hamster to uh, get working again on your internets uh, because your Wi-Fi. You know, what was funny yesterday, I told the story on the podcast. I don't know if you listened to it, uh, but Mm – I said, Jimmy, you know, one thing we ought to try is maybe cut your Wi-Fi off and then you can just use your cellular data. And you said, okay, cut my Wi-Fi off. And I said, great, <laughs> maybe a little better. You said, you know, I don't have Wi-Fi here. <laughs> I mean, you never reminded me of the uh, Inspector Clouseau where the guy said, hey, does your dog bite? And he said, no. And so the guy leaned down, pet the dog, and the dog bit him. He said, I thought you said your dog doesn't bite. He said, that's not my dog. <laughs> Yeah, I just uh, fed the hamster some Adderall and got the phone working again. A um, couple of things. That before I get back into Texas A&M, because we didn't really have a lot of time to for you and me to talk about that game, uh, just now. Now, it's now now, but tomorrow is when this podcast comes out, and so it won't be now then. Uh, of course, it's never Whoa. now then. But, yeah, I know. That was a very Spaceballs moment. But – um, Jaquincy McKinstry has announced he will commit on October 25th. Well, you know, my initial gut is this is going to be Auburn, but uh, I do not rule out Alabama at all. Uh, I think Alabama's got a lot of momentum in football and basketball right now. I mean, the football team is yet again a national championship contender while Auburn loses by three touchdowns to a championship contender. Alabama gets the big commitment from the in-state basketball prospect that you know has to be on some level a friend of Jaquincy's. Uh, so Alabama's got a lot of momentum. This will be one of those where, like, right now, if I had to pick where he's going, I'm going to say Auburn, but – when I say Auburn, I, I think it's Auburn over Alabama, like fifty-one percent to forty-nine percent. I'm not, I'm not sure at all. The kid may not even be sure. Yeah, he may not be, and, and which is would be weird if you have an announcement date, unless you just want to say, you know, it's like when you set a weight goal for yourself. You're like, I want to be at two thirty <laughs> by, you know, in two well, weeks or whatever. Well, sometimes um, when you're struggling with the decision, setting the date helps you. It could be like. Gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do, but yeah. I know this. I'm going to I'm going to pick one before October 25th. Yeah, I think that's that 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 may be. And but look, he probably he probably knows. I think actually it's crazy to sound, but I think after a kid gets the offers he's looking for, I think the kid knows right then and there most of the time. But it also depends on this. This gets real technical about recruiting stuff, and it's a little bit sausage factory here. But it's not always the kid making the decision. I mean, some you would think, of course, the kid makes a decision. No, no, everybody's situation is different. Most of the time, the kid makes the decision, or a lot of the time, the kid makes the decision. But sometimes it's dad. Sometimes it's mom. Sometimes it's the person in charge of the recruiting. Sometimes it's the high school coach. It's like, who is either making this decision or who is the chief influence on the decision? 
And uh, sometimes the kids, I mean, they're overwhelmed by this and they, they look to their mentor, be it their mom, dad, or uncle or handler and say, help me out. What do I do here? And I would say this, it can't hurt Alabama that Marlon Humphrey just signed a $90 million deal with $66 million guaranteed. <laughs> um, that being said, I, I, I'm like you. I mean, if I have to pick right now, I'm going to say Auburn. However, um, based on Auburn's performance Saturday, which we'll talk about later in the week, uh, which was absolutely putrid, um, it's hard to say why, why wouldn't you go to Alabama right this minute, uh, but or LSU for that matter. Uh, LSU's got some pretty good, pretty good history with defensive backs too. But let's go back to A and M uh, just for a second. I brought up the question in the solo part of the podcast yesterday, and I is Jalen Waddle the best player in the country? I'm going to say yes. I know he's not going to, or at least not in the Heisman front-running position right now. I mean, that's going to be Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and even Mac Jones probably ahead of him, um, Kyle Trask. But, you know, I, I just don't know that there's a better player in right. these United States than than Jalen Waddle. Here's a couple of ways to look at that that prop up that idea because a lot of people are like, that's crazy. But now think about it. First of all, to me, it's almost unquestioned that he's the best football player on this team. The best football player at Alabama is Jalen Waddell. That's my, that's my opinion. Now, there's other serious contenders for that title. The obvious Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, Pat Sertan, who's going to be drafted very highly, Dylan Moses. But I think Jalen Waddell is the best player at Alabama. And if you're the best player at Alabama, there's a good chance you're the best player in the country. But, but also think about this. Let's say, let's just pick out a team like the New York Giants who aren't good and are clearly going to be picking high. If the New York Giants say to themselves, we need an offensive spark, we need an offensive machine. Yeah, we could use Panay Sewell because we we need a better offensive line. But more importantly than that, we need a guy on offense that's going to make plays and we're not ready to give up on Daniel Jones because he's only in year two and he's still promising to us. So running back, wide receiver, tight end, who in all of college football would provide us the most spark? Isn't that clearly Waddle? I mean, I'm asking you, Mal, and I'm biased, but to me it's clearly Waddle. If you're talking about running back, wide receiver, and tight end, he's the best play offensive playmaker in the sport this year. No, I, I agree. Um, and it's interesting because I think he's the consummate college player I mean he's a little bit undersized but he works his tail off he's uber talented don't get me wrong I mean he's got some gifts that most people don't have or really just about everybody doesn't have um and what I talked about on the solo part of the pod yesterday was you know uh first of all I don't know if you saw on game day they uh, I think it was Reese Davis our buddy Reese Davis that actually said in the first 10 meters and I think it's 10 meters and I'm not good with the metric system I think he said 10 meters uh Jalen Waddell is actually faster than Usain Bolt. Yeah, now, that doesn't, that. Mean, that doesn't mean Jalen Waddell is faster than Usain Bolt, you know, <laughs> over the whatever. I mean, I'm not saying that. That Reese Davis said it on game day. I'm not, I'm not, I didn't time them myself. Um, but I, I thought it in comparison to Anthony Schwartz. I don't think there's any doubt if you ran 100 yards, Anthony Schwartz would probably beat Jalen Waddell. Okay, Mm -hmm. but I think it's close enough to where when you add in things like Waddle's ability to go up and get a ball, 
compared to I saw Anthony Schwartz actually have alligator arms against Georgia one time on a on a deep ball because he saw a safety coming over. That's what sets Waddle apart is that he has the same class of speed as these guys, and he has the go get itness of like a Julio Jones. He's just not big Julio. It's a lot like Rugs in the draft a year ago. You heard people. You know, prop him on. That's why Ruggs ended up going ahead of Jerry Judy was the first wide receiver selected in the draft because the fact that he had this world-class track speed was just gravy because he had football skills. I was saying last year that if Ruggs had run a 4-5-5, you know, which is not pedestrian, but but not awesome. It's just good speed. If, if Ruggs had good 4-5-5 speed, he's still no worse than a second-round pick because of his skill set. I would tell you Waddle's very similar that way. Waddle has insane burst and world-class speed, but he's a football player. Even if he wasn't quite that fast, he would still be a good pro football player. Let's tell everybody about Rock Auto, rockauto.com. That's where you want to go for all your car parts. I've told you before, you know you need a chassis. Go get the chassis. Your, your car is chassisless. And go get it at rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, Jimmy. 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Just an incredible lineup that you can go get anything you need. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps to fuzzy dice to motor oil to, to even new carpet. They got all that stuff, man. Go to rockauto.com. Be sure to write in the promo code locked on in there. How did you hear about us? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need are right there at rockauto.com. All right, Jimmy, it sounds like you just fell down a uh, flight of stairs. (laughs) That's exactly Um, what happened. I hope you're okay. Uh, Now, here's something else I want to talk about. We could talk about Mac Jones, certainly. Mac Jones, uh, I think everybody's talking about Mac Jones, and that's what kind of sets us apart is that we want to talk about stuff other people aren't necessarily talking about. Mac Jones is the story right now, and I'm going to tell you something. He is throwing the ball beautifully. Love him, doing a great job. I was totally off on the whole Bryce Young's going to unseat him thing. My bad. Uh, great job, Mac. I think I want Playing to talk right now about Daniel Wright. That's complicated. I'll, I'll let you start. Yeah, that's if it, if Daniel Wright were a Facebook relationship with the fans, it would be it's complicated. <laughs> he's a uh, he's made some high profile errors. Um, it's tougher on the DBs because all fans do is watch the ball and where the ball goes, and when a player makes an error near the ball, it's apparent. All the errors that are away from the ball aren't seen by fans, but they're equally as important. So DBs get a bad rap because we don't jump all over linemen and linebackers for making equally glaring mistakes. So that's one reason it's complicated. It's obviously complicated by the fact he made maybe the biggest defensive play of the year on the non-offensive touchdown. That was a great play. (sighs) But, you know, one thing about replacing him, and, and and I have knee-jerk reactions like everyone. I'm like, that's it. We got we to gotta play somebody else there. Well, 
let's remember this. <laughs> the fresh, the safety that lines up next to him, the safeties have to make the play calls back there. The guy that lines up next to him, Jordan Battle, is two years younger. And even though he's played maybe with the first team more than Daniel Wright going into this year, he's not as experienced at Daniel Wright in the system. And if we replace Daniel Wright, it's with a player with less experience who is younger than Jordan Battle uh, or Daniel Wright. So in terms of just making balls back there, which is vitally important, we knew it was important last year with the inside linebackers. It's even more so in the back end. So it may be a sink or swim thing with Daniel Wright just for the line calls alone. And you just coach him up and hope he gets better. And he does, he does show flashes of being a good player. So I think it's just something to monitor, but making the calls on the back end, getting everybody lined up, we don't need to forget that's a big deal. No, I agree. And you're right. It was, uh, he was beaten a few times pretty obviously uh, at the beginning of the game that, that helped lead to the 14-14 tie. And then Alabama gets the lead back and then he makes the unbelievable pick six. It really was a fantastic play. And I remember uh, speaking to the folks I was sitting with, hey, this is what he needed. He needed that confidence. Good for him because I know I, I was kind of following Twitter as I was wa- at the game. And, um, man, people were eviscerating Daniel Wright. I mean, just blowing him up. And it's not really fair, like you said. It's not really fair to do that. No, he wasn't having a fantastic game before that moment, and he didn't necessarily have a great game after that moment. But I think we also need to understand in today's football game, defensive backs are going to get beat. I mean, they're just going to get beat sometimes. I mean, the best ones get beat all the time because quarterbacks have perfected these back shoulder throws. Um, Texas A&M was moving everybody around. Like you said, we've got, we do have some youngsters out there. And in the end, we only gave up 24 points. So let's not go nuts with this thing. And he got seven of them back himself. So he did. Well, and also of their 24 points, uh, of their 24 points, seven of them was really against the offense. I know they didn't pick six, Mac, but they did get it inside, you know, right yeah. at the 10-yard line, I think. So that's that's really seven points. So they really scored 17, which is exactly what most of us predicted we would see, you know, in terms right. of how many points A&M was going to get. They did get more yards than I thought, and they got more yards on the ground than I thought, and Mon threw for, you know, around what I assumed he would throw, but he was – a little more efficient doing it than I assumed. But, you know, I'm never surprised when Mon makes good plays. He's been doing it for four years. He's just inconsistent. And inconsistent means half the time he's really good. And when we saw some of that Saturday, um, our defense has to get better, though, uh, including Daniel Wright, including all of them. I mean, it's just two games. It's not enough of a sample size to make any huge determinations. But this weekend we can because we're going to – play against an Ole Miss team that has put up numbers on offense against Florida, who's an elite team, and then against Kentucky on the road, who's an Alabama opponent. And uh, I would I would say this about our defense this Saturday. I would really like to see us play Ole Miss better defensively than Florida or Kentucky did. That's what I would like to see. Now, if it doesn't happen, does that mean I want to fire everybody and take all their scholarships? No, that's not what college football is about. But I'm just saying, if we are an improved defense over last year, then let's put up better numbers against Ole Miss than Florida or Kentucky did. 
Okay. I mean, that's fair enough. But let's also say, number one, that uh, Florida's defense is not elite either. I mean, they gave up a bunch of points this past weekend uh, to South mm-hmm. Carolina, who played the game as if they all had the left hand tied behind their back. Um offensively they just did not play very smart and and they still put up a lot of points on on um on florida um going back to the the interception that you talked about um one thing that stood out to me you know Najee didn't have his best game i mean 43 yards or whatever it was he didn't have a great game there weren't weren't a lot of holes in fact i think that that this game showed his lack of burst that we've talked about while Najee is great. I mean, Najee's good in a lot of ways, but he doesn't have that burst to just, you know, hit the hole like a Dalvin cook kind of guy. But you know, the biggest burst I've ever seen him have was running down that defensive lineman who made the interception. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was like, I, I, good Lord. I'd had no idea he was that fast. It was, it was amazing. And then his second best play was on the wheel route with another fantastic catch, which he's done it multiple times, those are the plays that are going to make him millions and millions of dollars. I think so. It's kind of the opposite, exactly what we talked about Waddle earlier. You know, Waddle's burst is literally world-class. Like, there probably aren't many people on the planet Earth that have Waddle's burst, whether they play football or not. Um, But his 40-time, 100-meter time, is not something that's going to make the Olympic team. He's not an Olympic 100-meter guy, but he is literally one of the fastest guys in the world from 0 to 10. Najee's the opposite. I think his 0 to 10 time is likely to keep him out of the first because uh, he doesn't have – he's not blessed with that part of it. However, once Najee gets up and going, he can run 21 miles an hour, which I think is pretty damn fast, and it was apparent on that play. So Najee is not slow – it just takes him a minute to get there. And it's a little understandable. The guy weighs 235 pounds. Yeah. No, that's true. But I th- that that play really was awesome. And I think, uh, you know, it, it reminds me of the play I think Hunter Renfro made uh, against Alabama. Um, uh, and I think it was Ryan Anderson that picked up a fumble. And we ended up either yeah, not scoring or having to kick a field goal. And that yep. that ended up Save really being a, a, the time. a yep, huge play. Um, so anything else you want to throw out there? Dylan Moses, I didn't think he had his best game. Um, yeah, I thought eight and 32 both played better the first week. Now, some of that could just be opponent matchup. Uh, obviously, AM's a better, let's remember, AM's a better team. That means they put better players mm-hmm. on the field, and it's more of a challenge for our guys. And we shouldn't be surprised when eight and 32 play better against Missouri than they do against AM, just like I'm going to play better golf at the municipal course than Augusta National. I mean, it's just a tougher matchup and uh, doesn't mean they won't play well against other tough teams, but uh, I'm going to chalk it up to that. But again, it wasn't nearly as cataclysmically bad as the message boards and social media will have you believe. I I thought we played pretty well offensively and defensively. We just need to get better. All right, Jimmy, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll uh, wrap this episode up. So let's go back to the running game for a second, Jimmy. Are you are you concerned about the running game? I'm I'm really not. Um, I know that the stats say I probably should be. Uh, I understand that part. However, when I look at the rushing stats in the SEC, Ty Chandler at Tennessee is now the leading rusher in the SEC. He has 176 yards in two games. So he's 
he's not even averaging nine. The, the top running back in the conference is not averaging 90 yards a game. And I think this is just the way it's going to be. And frankly, I love having Najee and, you know, if it's, it's, if it's second and three, I feel pretty good about giving the ball to Najee. I, if it's first and 10, I feel good about giving it to him. But I'm saying if I need three yards, I feel good about giving it to Najee. But frankly, I would rather hit Waddle on a bubble screen than hand the ball off for the most part. Yeah. Um, my first point would be that we can win the SEC or even the national championship offensively playing exactly as we are right now. We don't really have to change a thing. The offense as is, is championship quality. Now, in terms of what we need to improve on, it's never finished. It's never a finished product that you can count on every week. You have to work on things to make it get better, and the run game is what they have to work on because there's lots of room for improvement there, particularly with that good offensive line we have. We just need to get a little better movement up front. But the reason I'm not hugely concerned is really this is the way we started off a year ago. Najee in November was a much different back than he was in September, and I don't know. It's kind of a kind of a common theme of all of the Saban offensive lines. They they, they tend to take a while to gel. And then once they do gel, they're really, really, really good. I, I'm assuming that's what we're going to see again. Uh, it's already an elite offensive line as far as pass protection. Mac is leaving the games with a very clean jersey. But in the run game, we've just got to get better moving the front seven with our guys up front and tight ends. And uh, Najee and B-Rob have to be more productive than they are. Although this past weekend, I was more impressed with B-Rob than, than normal. I thought, I thought he ran pretty hard. Yes. And there was even a time in the game where I'm like, hell, just leave four in there. I'm going to tell you what I thought. And this is <laughs> this may sound silly. At one point in the game, I thought, you know what I'd love to have is a Keelan Robinson in there right now just to change a pace back that, uh, that, that, that could run in space really well. Um, I feel like that would have been the perfect game for him to break one. But I understand that, you know, an opt-out and everything else, I, I get it. Um, but that would have been a, a perfect game for him, if you ask me. Um, I want to talk about the other SEC games uh, from last week uh, on the next podcast. But for right now, I think I need to talk about maybe 10 of the greatest seconds in Alabama sports history because J.D. Davison committed to Alabama. Um, and then about eight to 10 seconds later, Jalen Waddle goes to the house from 87 yards away on second and 22. It was, uh, I mean, there were multiple reasons to give high fives. Uh, J.D. Davison has also since tweeted uh, the, the basketball phenom, if you don't know, five-star number one point guard in the country uh, from Lita Hatchie, the Calhoun School. He is amazing. Um, he's also tweeted since then, Bama, we're not done yet. Some people have thought that to mean maybe Alabama is going to land somebody like Charles Badeco or I think it's Colton Houston, two other uh, either five or high four-star guys that Alabama's recruiting in basketball. Or it could potentially mean now, because I think he and McKinstry are tight, it could mean good news for, for Kool-Aid. That's right. Well, there's no way to cut, even if, I mean, you know, Davison is so good. If we're done after two commitments for that 21 class, I'm good with it. As long as, as long as J.D. Davison was part of it, he's, he's just, it's just, you know, just watch the NBA playoffs. While these are really good teams playing at the end, the Lakers team, uh, the Heat team, the Lakers are the Lakers because of LeBron and AD and the Heat are the Heat because of Jimmy Butler. One player makes a massive difference. 
And, mm-hmm. and J.D. Davison is the one player that can make a massive difference. One thing, though, that's exciting, unlike when we had Colin Sexton as our difference-making player, we're putting a pretty good team around J.D. So mm-hmm. that's very, very interesting. Can't wait to see him suit up for Alabama in 2021. Yep. Uh, really, really special commitment there. Nate Oates is doing some serious serious work and I mentioned uh, look I just can't stand it I think I got to at least talk about the Arkansas Mississippi State game for a second um first of all great SEC shorts out there today about that game about Arkansas getting their win but um you know I got to give Arkansas a ton of credit I I did not think Jimmy they would win a league game at all this year and I said that even if they played Vandy they wouldn't win a league game and I've been making fun of who they hire? Sam Hunt, the former uh, UAB football player turned country music star. They hired somebody, Sam somebody, whatever his name is, the coach. Jimmy, are you with us? Hey, sorry about that. It disappeared. Oops. Sorry, you disappeared <laughs> on me for one second. What did you say about Sam Hunt? I said, uh, did Arkansas hire Sam Hunt, the former UAB uh, football player turned country music star? Is that who they hired? Was it Sam Hunt? <laughs> Yes, sir. That's who they hired. <laughs> well, my question is, did you think Arkansas was going to win a game? No. I said if Arkansas played Vandy, they wouldn't win a game. Did you no, think I thought, they would win a I, game? I said loudly Arkansas would finish the season 0-10. Oh, yeah. I firmly expected them to lose to Mississippi State. The fact that they won is just – I'll tell you, gets, I mean, I, I'm fine with giving the credit to Pittman because – it's amazing. It's the first time they won in three years. But I'll tell you, won that game, and who's a damn fine football coach is Barry Odom, the, exactly. the new defensive coordinator at Arkansas that came from Missouri, where I thought he actually did a pretty good job there. Um, and, and now, unbelievably, how he put the brakes on Mike Leach's offense and 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 forced Costello into a bad day. Uh, wow, uh, very impressed. But. I will say, pat myself on the back, although um, I wasn't the only person saying this a week ago, but way too much was made about Mike Leach a week ago. And I said on this show, look, you know, if Leach was doing this every week and playing his team playing that well every week, he wouldn't have been at Texas Tech. He wouldn't have been at Washington State. He wouldn't have been hired by Mississippi State. Leach keeps going to those what I would call second-tier Power 5 schools because his teams don't play great week-to-week, and we've got about a 20-year pattern, you know, to look at. So am I surprised Mississippi State played poorly? No, I'm not surprised at all. But am I shocked that Arkansas actually turned it into a win? Well, of course we are because it's the first time they've won a game in three years. Yeah, it's it's... (laughs) It's really crazy that they that they lost that game. I mean, I I, I, mean, I bet you Mississippi State fans are still like, how did we lose that game? I don't, that doesn't make sense. Um, but now Arkansas goes to take on Auburn, who's pretty deflated. Um, an Arkansas team riding high. I don't think Arkansas can win it. I think the spread at eighteen is probably low. But you know, it's. I mean, Gus has had pretty good luck against Arkansas, by the way. But uh, I would say it's it's just interesting. I mean, Arkansas is going to fight. That's what I wanted to see out of Arkansas is just fight, put up a fight. And I think they're going to do that now. They still don't have the horses to run with the big boys, yeah. but they are going to fight. And I think that makes things. Um, I think a lot Auburn's more, more sound. I, yeah. I think Auburn is less inclined to be way up and way down. Uh, Auburn did beat Kentucky, uh, you know, by a couple of scores really for that. And really that was the re Arkansas. Auburn's just a sound football team. 
I don't think they're going to beat themselves, and that's why they'll beat Arkansas. All right, buddy. Well, we will uh, be back with another podcast to Mali's. And uh, roll tight, everybody. Roll tight.